Welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm James Carey. And we're recording at the Leicester Comedy Festival. Well, thank you all very much for coming and um, fittingly, because it's the Leicester Comedy Festival and there's uh, lots of stand-up on here, we have got a uh, stand-up theme and all our panellists are, or were, or have been at some time in their lives, stand-up comedians. And uh, so I'd like to... Uh, welcome all the guests that we have here. First of all, please welcome Joe Gore. And also Dan Evans. Sarah Johnson. And MJ Simpson. Are you MJ tonight or is uh, that your... You can call me Mike. I can call you Mike. Okay. Mike Simpson. He gets a, an extra cheer. <laughs> So, um, I mean, uh, we have, first of all, we have to say, Joe and uh, Dan, this being a, a show about stand-up comedians, how to be a stand-up comedian, how to get on, how to survive, how to get through all the, uh, the uh, traumas and the bitching and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Fittingly, Joe and Dan actually have got to run off and go and do gigs. So uh, We'll be losing them through. at some point. They're not yeah. storming out, but they might make it look <laughs> as though. <laughs> yeah. So we'll probably way. talk to them a little bit more mm. earlier on. But um, can I just quickly go around and ask how long, uh, when you started and what got you into it and uh, how long have you been going? And... Yeah, so I've been doing it for about 13, 14 years. Nice. Um, yeah, I studied film, made a comedy film, went to Edinburgh Film Festival, Audiences laughed, and I thought, oh, I can, I can write funny. So I gave it yeah. a go. There's yeah. a different leap, though, from writing funny <laughs> to standing in front of an audience. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. That, was that fairly straightforward for you? Uh, it, I, I, I enjoyed it. I got, the, I mean, whether the audience, audience enjoyed <laughs> it, I don't know, but uh, I got the bug and, um, yeah, just kept doing it and didn't give up. I think that's the key, actually, just not yeah. just giving up, just keep going. Joe, I should yeah. mention, by the way, won the award Best Value for Money Leicester Festival, <laughs> Leicester Comedy Festival in 2011, I yeah. think, was it? The, the, the ASDA Award. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 in yeah, what exactly. way was it Best Value for Money? Was it really long and very cheap or what? I mean, it was, it was, you know, affordable. It wasn't yeah. quite free. Gags per minute, maybe? Uh, yeah, probably, probably. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Um, but yeah. uh, I put it on the poster, so yeah. 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 Weirdest award won or nominated for could yeah. be a, could be something that everyone could think about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. Okay, Dan, you'd like to uh, tell us? Yes, I suppose I. Oh, I feel I hate saying it. I suppose I started. I drifted into it at the end of the nineties, like the last century. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awful, isn't it? Now yeah, I say it out loud. I wanted to, but yes. Yeah, so, but it was a different game then, where you were kind of. It was a different time. But no, no. But I, you are you saying that you were a racist? Is that what no, you no. <laughs> were? No, no, no. I. It's a skinhead that does it. You do, you do a kind of a gig a month or so, and bump into the same people and get drunk, and it was, it wasn't the same kind of. Oh, I'm, I'm going to really go at this for a few years, so you kind of drifted into it. Really, I just had a, a job that I ran out of steam on, and just. Two friends I knew started doing it, and I just thought, oh, I'll give it a go. And once you've done it once or twice, yeah. you kind of go, I'll do it a couple more times. And then suddenly it's 2019. And then you're hooked. It is like that, I suppose. You just kind of, as long as you're not so terrified, you just you do just keep going and refining and stuff. And yeah. yeah, It's interesting. I'd love to talk a bit later about how it, w it was a different time then, and stand-up then compared to stand-up now, and starting then and starting now seems very different. So... We're good to come back to that, but we should keep yeah. keep bashing on. Okay, Sarah, could you tell us about your yeah? Um, career? I actually started off as a comedy waitress, and I've been doing that for corporate gigs and gala dinners for about twenty years. Oh, um, <laughs> and then <laughs> about two thousand and fifteen, I've always wanted to do stand up. I did. Uh, went to Monfield University and my degree was on female stand-up comedians. Right. Um, Which was probably a very, very short degree yes, back in 2015. Was, it was, yeah. yeah. Interviewed Jeannie Asheray and Mandy Knight. Mm -hmm. and they're all still going. Mm -hmm. yeah. Found my notes and nothing's changed. Um, but, yeah, and then I did uh, the Demofford Square Mile as part of the Comedy Festival in 2015. Mm -hmm. um, and then 2015 I thought I was smashing it because I did three gigs in that year. And then I was just like, that, yeah, really going for it. And they were like, no, you need to be doing more than that. Like, really? More than three a <laughs> year? More than three a year. Goodness. So then 2016, I kind of ramped it up and actually started applying for gigs. It makes a difference when right. you apply for gigs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mike, you tell um, us your little well, story. Well, I've been around a lot longer than these people in a sense. I started doing stand-up 
1986 <laughs> and I gave it up in 1987, <laughs> which is why none of you have ever heard of me. Since after that, a bunch of things happened and then I found myself here and I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> it's a slightly weird story. Basically, I... Uh, in fact, I'd given up for about five years before you started, Dan. But uh, in the 1980s, I was doing stand-up comedy. And uh, at one stage, I was comparing uh, the comedy store one evening. And I saw this act uh, that I just thought was amazing and brilliant. Uh, had the most amazing lines, but not... Sorry to say this, no, no, now, but uh, not the performing skills, shall we say, that were required for a two o'clock in the morning at the uh, the comedy store, uh, or whatever time it was. Um, and I wrote about him in my book. And I vaguely remembered it was I think I put W J Simpson. I think was the name I, I put down. Uh, Which in is the why book. you could never Google me because yeah. I always go by M J Simpson. Well, uh, <laughs> um, and, and I was. You know, this is 1986-87, I was... An they didn't have Google in those days. Exactly. <laughs> yes. like, yeah. um, so, you know, I was an 18-year-old geeky virgin who'd spent his entire life in one small village in Nottinghamshire um, thinking I could go to the this big West End venue and do stand-up comedy. And apparently my material was good. And, and Dave's waited 32 years to tell me this. <laughs> <laughs> he came, he, he answered something I'd written about on Twitter, and I thought I thought, vaguely recognised the picture, and it said MJ Simpson. And I thought, I you, did you perform at the Comedy Store 30 years ago? It's and one thing led to another, and here we are tonight. It's, it's like bizarre, a reunion. Yeah. It's yeah. like yeah. surprise, surprise, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Right. Really? And here is Neil Malarkey <laughs> and Mike Myers. <laughs> 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 and here are the audience who booed you. And, you know, <laughs> but, I mean, in a sense, that's quite interesting interesting in talking about how much different it was uh, for you, Dan, compared to how much when well, like you say, Mike and I were The thing started. is to not give up, and I gave up. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, you know, a salutary tale. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about that, because it's the one thing I've not, I've not heard... So the really good version of this episode is called The Comedian's Comedian Podcast with Stuart Goldsmith. And actually, Dan Evans, you were the second ever guest, mm, I think, I was, on that, yeah, weren't you? Yeah. Um, so it's the you, last podcast I did was about six years ago. It was some time ago now. <laughs> it is really good. But one thing that I've always um, been interested in, and I haven't heard any episodes address this, is, is why people give up. And I always wanted to ask older... As a question for older comedians is, who were the people who you just thought, wow, they're so good? And they gave up. And why did they give up? I mean, why, why do you think people give up? I mean, I'm sure oh, there thanks, are James. some thanks obvious reasons. <laughs> but but let's, how long have you got? This is the thing that comedians, comedian won't talk about. Well, some, some people, I think, come to it. I don't know. Come to it from a, a quite a good job anyway, and so yeah. they're going. Oh well, I, this isn't this isn't working out for me because I'm not pulling in what I was pulling before. So they're more likely to give up or be tremendously applied. Whereas if you just drift into it like that mm. there's not a lot to compare it with right. if you're in your 20s is there and you just kind of go well I might as well but there's the, generally you probably agree Dave as well there are every actor gives up they often have one amazing joke and it's so sad <laughs> yeah, that yeah. It's, yeah. it's out of reach there was a guy John Hodge who had that joke oh, yes. say um, why do they call him Scott of the Antarctic mm. he only went there once I went to Hounslow once, they don't call me John of Hounslow. <laughs> <laughs> but that joke is now yeah. his joke. Yeah. And, and he, had, he had a lot of good jokes. Yes, no, yes, Barry Hill was a big fan of, of John, actually. Yeah. But I mean, that's. Uh, can, you, can you just. Neck, if they stop doing it, can you just sort of. No, no, can, can I think you, you build could an act from it, everybody yeah. else's retired jokes. Ooh, James. But the danger is if you bought Quite it off him and then realised. Yeah. Yeah. His joke was the highlight of your set. It would destroy you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's true. a fairly straightforward answer from me, which yeah. is that I, when I started, no, there wasn't a thing called stand-up, so we, none of us really knew what we were doing. And for the first five years, when my generation of comedians started to get successful, uh, and we were all we all felt part of the same gang, so one person being successful was part of the team. But then I'd been going about six or seven years, and then these sort of new people started coming through who started to get more successful and uh, seemed to be sort of leapfrogging. I'd kind of got as far as I could go, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think that started to get... I started to compare myself with other people, which is always a, like a, a, a beginning of the end, yeah. really, I think. And that, that was what, that was the problem for me, I think, was... Uh, yeah. and, you know, that, and that's something, again, I wanted to mention there, the, the, the sort of the paranoia yeah. and the, 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 the feeling that, you know when you're on a bill with someone who's younger than you and hungrier than you are and you, you're, you're, sort of, you're well, in, in my case, my sort of mental attitude wasn't hardy enough, really. It wasn't strong enough to kind of mm. uh, deal with that. 
Yeah. So that's why I gave up. Any other thoughts about why? But you know, are there people that you can think of who gave up and are just like, oh, not yeah. you. You can't give so up. So I've, I've got a friend who won uh, best new act uh, competitions, and he's a guy called Steve Weiner, and he had, he was on um, Channel Four and sort of had his own TV show, radio show, and he was doing with a very big agency called Off the Curb, and he gave up. He had a good job as a lawyer, but he didn't like the lifestyle, so he didn't like. Sort of, he was doing. He didn't like late mornings and <laughs> going, to, going to the pub. Yeah. Uh, He'd yeah. rather he get, really, get into an office and sit there for eight hours consulting legal documents. Yeah, yeah but yeah. we did. We did have a, a, a moment recently where I met with him and I said, "Oh, what are you doing with your old jokes? What's, what's going on?" And <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I knew another guy called Roland, and I haven't seen him since. But he had a lovely bit that he, he gave up. He had a lovely bit about World War One. Where they play the football match, yeah, and he just sort of said, "Who who brought the football?" That <laughs> <laughs> was a very good point. I was like, "Ah, we've got to do that." Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was another. Not to get too anecdotal here, but when uh, when they were starting out um, in about 1984, 85, and. Uh, John Irwin and Paul Merton, who were school friends, <laughs> and they were both stand-ups. In 1984, if you'd gone to the circuit then, and you say, right, there's Paul Merton and John Irwin. One of these people is going to become the biggest, most famous name in British comedy in the next 30 years. Who is it? You'd have said, oh, John Irwin, definitely. And John was just like an amazing comedian, but he had a, he had a very, very bad night one night at the, uh, the comedy store. Yeah. And no, no fault of his, but it sort of fight broke out and things and so yeah. and he it, it sort of got him kind of quite fearful every time he went to a gig he was worried that the people who were sort of blaming him and saying yeah. I'm going to come to your gig and give you a hard time and he sort of lost yeah he, he got lost the yips. his yeah the cricket if you're a spin bowler you get the yips you sort of forget how to do it and it sort of goes yeah. all wrong it's sort of yeah. it's, it's a so what yeah I mean why did you Mike sort of I mean I was just I don't know if I ever had any serious intentions of doing it professionally um, I was doing it for fun. I'd, I'd heard a lot of comedians on the radio, on Radio 4, including Mr. Kevin here. Um, and I just, uh, I, I'd moved to Coventry to go to Comedy Poly, and a, a comedy club opened around the corner for me, which I, I, and I got to see Paul Merton when it was Paul Martin, mm -hmm. and, and some, some big names, fantastic. <clears throat> but what I've, in those days, it was very, very London centric. And I'm not a Londoner, I've never wanted to live in London. And there were, I kept reading things saying, there's comedy clubs all around the country. And actually there was the occasional one in each city. There wasn't really a, a national centre. The one around the corner for me in Coventry just brought people up from London. And so... Was that weekly or monthly? It or? Was a, I think it was fortnightly. It was called okay. the TikTok Club. Did you ever yeah, play yeah, the TikTok yeah, Club? Yeah, the TikTok, yeah. yeah. Um, and I used to do the open mic there. But um, I, 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 I enjoyed doing it and I went down to my naivete went down to the comedy store and I did a gig and it actually went really well and the guy I don't remember the guy's name who used to run the comedy store Don Ward same man could, could be yeah. um, said uh, well you know come back and do it again and let's see how you go we might book you so I came back did exactly the same material and that was the night you were comparing when I absolutely <laughs> laid an egg um, <laughs> and, and after that um, I, you know, I did the occasional thing now that I moved to Nottingham there was a club there called Happy Sundays and I did a couple of things there but it kind of petered out. Um, I, I didn't have the wherewithal to stick with it. Right, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't my lifelong ambition. It was something I wanted to try. And I was. I remain enormously proud of being able to say, "Oh, yeah, I played the Comedy Store." Did you? Wow. Mm. Um, but I don't think I could have stuck it. Again, it's a lifestyle thing, mm. you know. Um, I'm not one. Much as I like a good drink, I'm not one for staying up very, very late. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I've only ever been to Edinburgh once in my life. And yeah. It just really wasn't for me, but I'll, I'll give it a try. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sarah, you're probably yeah. you're the most recent yes. uh, starting up. How how would you describe the circuit now? Kind of getting onto the circuit now compared to to what we've talked about so far. I think it's interesting what you were saying about all the all the lifestyle choices and sort of the late nights and being lonely and the paranoia. It all, it all sort of culminates because you do you look at sort of people's posts and like, I have come to stand up quite late even though I was doing the sort of comedy waitressing stuff um, so there are a lot of younger ones that do sort of come up through the ranks and you're going oh my god but they started after and they're doing this mm. that and the other and you, you do look at it and start to panic a little bit and then you go well, I need to be booking onto these ones because they're overtaking and then 
I actually just kind of went, right, no, hang on a minute. It's, I need to look at my lifestyle. I've got two kids. My husband works away. You need to go on your own journey, and I need to go at my own pace. Mm. And they're on their own journey. I need to be on mine. And, and, you know, it does mess with your head of just going, you're comparing yourself to other people and what they're doing. Yeah. And I think, you know, you have to kind of step back from it a little bit. But in terms of sort of getting gigs, I think within Leicester, I've been quite lucky with networking with a lot of the comedians and going to the gigs and they've been so lovely and almost mentory you know yeah. <laughs> just going we'll go on this gig because i'm just kind of going i don't know <laughs> where do i go and they go, you, go to this you, gig go to that gig you can play all around the country now that is the big difference yeah. isn't it you guys do you you, you uh, do a lot of work outside of london yeah <clears throat> and, and abroad as well and there's all sort there's type different types of work mm. I've, I've done a lot of tv warm-up uh you write for comedians, you know, there's so much different types of work now, I think. Yeah. Um, are there many people who are actually, do you think, who are making a living just doing stand-up? Do you, can you think there are a lot? Or? Um, there's a yeah. Kind of, there's a little, it's probably a strata, but I suppose a bit like you kind of hinted to there, if you do stand-up for any length of time, other things kind of happen and you will get asked mm. to write things or, mm. you know, or you might get sort of warm-up work or something will happen like a bit tangentially like that so I've, yeah but i think there probably aren't many people who you don't know the name of who are working and doing nothing else but stand up and earning a good living though i can think of you know there used to be like two or three years ago when jonglers existed that was quite a big thing because there's quite a few comics you know work, working weekends constantly it's a little bit harder now so you, you know most comics kind of have something else mm -hmm. It always seemed back in the 80s that there were quite a lot of people um, for whom comedy was a way to basically get an equity card and move into an acting career. I came across quite a few people who, who didn't have an ambition to be a stand-up. Stand-up was a stepping st stone to then you know, getting into TV or theatre or, or just getting an equity card. It's probably the other way now, isn't it? Uh, actors yeah. wanting to want yeah. to be stand-ups, don't they, really? An interesting thing, Dave, though, about then and now and it's depressing if anybody here has those sort of aspirations, but I can think of a handful of gigs where the money is identical to what it was <laughs> when the Twin Towers came down. That is the same money, yeah. you know, I'm not saying... It's like, so, I, that I guess money is probably almost half the value now, yeah. isn't it, as it was then? Yeah. But the money hasn't yeah. gone up, so you I mean, in a way, think, that's of, think of other things yeah. to do, which we kind of work with it you know yeah I guess that's one of the reasons for people pack it in they simply can't afford to keep doing mm. it but I think there's a there's a kind of a common theme I don't know if you uh, agree with this or not but you know when we've spoken to quite a lot of people um, on previous podcasts previous interviews when you talk to someone like um, Barry Cryer and when you talk to you know people like Paul Mayhew Archer you know a sitcom writer and all this kind of stuff the thing they have in common that keeps them all going is they just love jokes Mm. They absolutely love jokes. And it's kind of interesting, I, th I think, one of the reasons that people keep going, because I think it would be interesting to know what keeps you going when there are so many reasons to stop or do something else. Is there is what, you know, I think you need to really love comedy. You have to, you have to kind of need to do it, because otherwise it's just, it's just too hard, isn't it? Yes, I suppose also that it's, we're making that mistake of kind of always looking at the end point, whereas actually the yeah. thing itself... You know, yeah. if you were doing a, a good pub room and there's 80 people there having a whale of a time, that you've actually achieved it. Yeah. It isn't like, oh, this will do on my route somewhere special. Yeah. That is actually, and there's acts like people like Adam Bloom or something who always feel that, and you, you know, it's great to hear them talk like that because they just love. Go, oh, great! I'm going to Leicester tonight and do that show. It's great, you know. But don't don't you then get the thing that okay, that was great. I was uh, Tuesday night. Uh, what was it? Thursday night in Leicester. It was fantastic. Stormed it, and now. Oh, but I've got to go, and now Friday I'm in Norwich, and I've got to do exactly the same thing, and it's sort of that kind of... Um, so so the, the moment is fleeting. That Oh, yes, that, well, I suppose that's, that's where all the kind of problems come in people have with substance abuse and everything, isn't it? And mm. I think it's, it, it, it's, it's that feeling you get when you try out, when you try out a new joke. And it, and that, it works. That's a, that's a, yeah, yeah, I wish I thought of saying that. <laughs> <laughs> that's so much better than I could have said. But it is a joke, isn't it? Twin Towers, substance abuse. Yes, it's Keith. Thanks for coming, Dan. I'm so glad you've been abusing. Have another glass of water, Dan. No, I mean, but it's hardly. I mean, in showbiz, there's a lot more of that going on for the reason that you get that high Dave mentioned, and then you get the kind of, oh, it's one o'clock, I'm driving home. And that is a great 
Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's why I do Leicester Comedy Festival. That's why most comics do Leicester Comedy Festival. It's that feeling. I mean, you put it in the diary, and it forces you to write a new hour. Yeah. Um, and, Is and there a, a high turnover of gags now because of social media and such like that? You know, there was a time. God knows how long did Paul Merton keep doing the Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. Doodlebug gag. Um, I think he still does it. <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah. nostalgia now. Yeah. Um, and do, do, are you constantly having to create new material because not for social media? I don't really interact with social yeah. media, but not. It just doesn't get enough of a spread. If a hundred mm. people read your joke and half like it and pass it with a friend who ignores it, you can't go. Oh well, I won't do that live again. And you're not finding people are sort of going on Twitter and saying he had this really good joke. It was this, and then it's sort of disseminating. Around it's also me. what works on social media <laughs> doesn't necessarily mm. work in front yeah. of an audience. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That, that's the great thing that you have. I mean, one of the problems um, that James and I talk a lot about how the, the, the whole sort of commissioning system for TV and radio is, you know, it, it's in crisis. But uh, there's no substitute for being in a room with a group of people and making that group of people laugh. That's, that's you just it. both said yeah. things that I really wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> the, one, the first thing about trying out a line yeah, and thinking yeah. it works, and the other thing being that there is no one else involved yeah. with in the process you yeah. do it yeah. and if it works yeah. it, whereas if you've got some script in and you never hear back and it's yeah. years and nothing happens then you don't even know yeah. if, and you don't even know if it's funny because yeah. yeah. them saying whether they want to commission it or not it's still not a verdict on whether it's funny or not mm. they just think this this document can move on to the next phase yeah. um, Sarah is that why you you know you probably have a five reasons to, to do fewer gigs or not is it that audience um is it the rush or the buzz, or is it the satisfaction of the joke? Is it the love of comedy? What is it for you I think, that... I think it's everything. I think I couldn't do anything else now. I think, well, I think I'm unemployable, to be honest. <laughs> but you're always sort of... I don't know about you guys, but I'm always sort of on it. Even if you're sort of lucky or walking around town, you see something and you just go, oh, my God, that's great. Look at that. He's a great character. You can't write that. Or you overhear people's conversations and you go, oh, maybe I can do mm. something with that but you, I'm just seem to be constantly on it yeah um, but again yeah the, the buzz of the audience and and that is great but again you can have a really good show and then you get home and then you're just going I can't go to bed yet I need to watch the watch I'll put some comedy on and then yeah. you just sit and watch it and then it's just late night yeah again and one of the things I always found, found fascinating both as a, as a performer briefly and as a, a, a fan and a, and a viewer was that comedy is something you can't really judge until there is the audience there. Yeah. If you if you play the guitar, you can get your mate around and say, I'm gonna play the guitar, what do you think? Tell me honestly. And if you're good, you'll say, well, you're good. But you can't say, here's a joke, because it needs the ambience of the audience in order to work. So you, you, you can't really judge it mm. until you're there, and it may well, that's fall the, flat. That's, yeah. that's another thing Dan yeah, wanted yeah, to say, I think. <laughs> but uh, actually, that brings uh, in, uh, just, I know you guys have got to go fairly soon, but uh, just uh, bringing in the, um, talking about writing and and um, obviously writing stand-up material is a different uh, discipline from writing sitcom or narrative or anything mm. but um, how, how do you sort of do, do you, you know what's that, the kind of discipline it's funny writing? you should say that because what I one thing I'd really believe is that if you if you see something amusing and you like a character idea or anything like that it's all just get it all down in a little pad because well, who knows what you're going to be writing in even format in the in the future? But it may be a joke. I remember being in a cafe in like the late '80s, and the owner it was snowing, and the owner was saying to somebody, "It took me an hour to get home last night, and I only lived 20 minutes away." And I remember thinking, <laughs> "I've got to write that down." I've never used it, <laughs> but I, I, it's on I'm a bit of paper you just somewhere. Have. <laughs> yes, I know, but it's just like yeah, yeah. yeah and sure so, so it's, to go, I'm now writing stand-up is sort of. Perhaps Can't not quite right. You kind of go. I'm trying to thinking of what's yeah. amusing about this idea, and then oh look at this one turns leans Do you towards stand up. Piece of paper by the bed because I always find yeah. that when I'm just about to go to sleep, is it an alpha state? You know, when you're quite you quite in your brain, that's when the ideas sort of come, which is a nightmare because yeah. you can't put the light on. <laughs> so I've got a pad and it's just kind of screwing it. And then I look in the morning, going, "What the hell does that say?" <laughs> no, that's. I think that's but one of the most important thoughts. things is always write yeah. down everything. Yeah. Because the there'll phone, be something funny. Yeah. Do you actually write out your routine as a script, or do you just? I haven't done for a long time. If it's a brand new joke, because I'm quite word specific, it's sort of. I need to do it a few times just to get things not back to front because sometimes that can just totally take 80% of it away if you 
So you would write that and rehearse it, or you wouldn't? Yeah, I would. It, like, since, yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I won't do a joke that I don't think works here. Yeah. For fear of losing status among these yeah. people, but <laughs> my koala joke tonight, I think it's funny, but it doesn't seem to work. Okay. So maybe I'm doing it the wrong way around. Okay. Oh. But yours. So so let's talk about that process then. So when did you when did you come up with your koala joke? And I think I was driving and I probably did something all really illegal, like get a pen and, and, and sort of write it really badly on whatever was on the passenger. Were you okay. in an alpha state at the time? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so, so just before. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, that's right. And you were high as well. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yes, that's right. No, we've you, you're it. cursing all the things that you hadn't said that yes, night. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. If I know, so. By the way, if you do that, the, the voice recognition app on the iPhone is really good. Yeah. And so if you click onto a note, and then press the microphone button. You can dictate, and it's it, it's yeah. incredibly good. Yeah. It's really good. And I've I've recently had a thing where I thought of something and I was driving, and I was able to grab the phone, put on the notes app, press that button, and then talk. Um, when I was, I was I think I managed to activate it while I was sitting at some lights, put it on, and then officer. talk for a bit. <laughs> yes, officer. But you know what I mean? Because also I you know um, I just don't. It, it's so I, I know stories of people who've used a phone and very bad things have happened to them so because um, the, the one thing is if you do miss the idea whatever, whatever, but also whatever it's quality you're convinced it was the thing yeah. that you've been <laughs> waiting all your life yeah. to think but that's of. interesting because when you're driving back from gigs and you're like, on a high as well you can go in I start to go through routines yes and add little bits or yeah, correct them or I'd correct them but then you're just going oh, I'll remember that and then you get home and go I can't remember what that was. Mm. Yep. Well, yeah. Can I ask another thing? I know you've not got long, you guys got to go off. Can I ask you, before you go, each of you, have you got um, one one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who is thinking, I want to do stand-up comedy now? Or, I'm more likely, I, want, I love comedy, I want to write comedy, I think I'll give stand-up a go. Or should I give stand-up a go? You know, I think that's kind of... Hmm. I mean, pick, pick, pick whichever question you like, but... Um, uh, I'd say come to my show eight o'clock <laughs> <laughs> in the Cookie. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's a really good show, guys. Yes, uh, which will be three weeks in the past <laughs> oh, once yeah, this yeah. show goes out. Just to you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd say don't give up. Start and don't give up, and don't and try not to be affected if it doesn't go well. Um, keep writing. You know, in my first year, I think I, I, I kind of stuck to my, the five minutes, and I sort of regret that. I feel like I should have. You know, kept writing, kept performing. If you keep writing and keep performing, it gets easier. Yeah. That first year was horrendous. Did that five minutes, yeah. as in you were confident in it and it didn't quite work, but by the end of the year, that five minutes was basically the same but did work? It sort of worked okay. okay. And I thought, you know, oh, this is great. And, and some gigs I thought it was great and some gigs it wasn't. And also when you start out, gigs are tougher. Right. Know, because they're not, when you start doing the comedy store, it's a relatively... It's an easier gig because there's lots of people. They, they, you know, there's confidence in the room. They feel like you must be good to be up there. Yeah. Uh, so it, it gets easier. So yeah. I'd, I'd say keep going. There's also that thing of, and it's probably more now. Unfortunately, it was when I started, and probably when Joe started, where you do feel now like you're constantly at a job interview at certain gigs. I mean, there's people I work for. Where I know they don't care how I do, and I can muck around and be crazy, and they, they don't care if it works or not. Mm. But a lot of the time, you're sort of you're, you're kind of anchors on a bit because you're thinking, yeah, I could try that. I could just go off and talk to that person, but it may not work. But um, So, oh yes, my bit of advice. <laughs> I, and this sounds, it doesn't sound good in the context of what I said earlier on, but there's a <laughs> lot take of- Take more drugs. No, 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 no there's a <laughs> lot- take fewer drugs. Well, this sounds silly because you've done the, that's a, the don't give up thing and the write everything down thing. Probably the first two things I would have said if I'd gone first. But um, I would say, come to terms with how you physically feel about it all. So if I could do anything different majorly, I probably wouldn't drink before the night of a gig, going back you know, 18, 20 years or whatever it is. I wouldn't drink the night before, because I'm always sharper, and the kind of illusion of, oh yeah, we'll stand up to drink. It's like, so I wouldn't drink. I, I often I keep myself, I swim often before gigs now, because it makes me feel great. If I'm, my mouth feels a bit dry, I'll put a tiny bit of lime in the water, and all these things, and I always kind of play to a bigger room further back. Yeah. All these little things that aren't the material yeah. and aren't even really your character. They're just sort of, not even stagecraft, but knowing your, how you feel yeah. and managing your mood. That's interesting, So if you yeah. eat a great big plate of rubbish food, 
yeah. and you feel rubbish, yeah. you won't be as good as if you're kind of thinking, what, what, that last time I did a good gig, why did I feel yeah. good? Oh, I had a light meal two hours before and didn't eat, you know. In a way, it's like, it's, 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 it's giving yourself the best chance of it going yeah. well. And I wonder if people, you, you sort of insure yourself against that by having a heavy meal and turning up in a bit of a rush and all these kinds of things. Um, oh, you mean and so that yeah. it doesn't and it doesn't go that well. But then again, well, you didn't prepare as much for that, and you know, there's also a little bit of emotional kind of yeah, rug pulling on your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah self sabotage in order to stop. But actually, just take it seriously and give yourself the best chance. And yes. then, but if also it you, work you feel for you, better as a person. I mean, yeah. it's this sort of thing coming from an older man. That's ludicrous to say. I finally know how to you know mm. to. I realised exercise and diet is important. It's kind of facile to say it but the other thing and I think something Alan Davis said and I remember thinking yeah I should remember that but I never do it is don't rush to speak when you go up there unless it's the character is and the character who rushes to speak obviously there's all these yeah. exceptions but it sort of shows weakness if you stand there and you take your time basically it says look I just feel like I'm confident enough to be I've got every yeah. right to be here and people read that on an animal level yeah I, I, I would also say taking risks knowing when to take risks taking risks at the right time you know, I, I did, uh, when I did a, a, a totally new thing, I did a, a character for the first time at the Edinburgh Festival and did like a new hour with this character. I'd never been so scared. Um, and uh, it was probably the best Edinburgh I'd had. Um, and I think, yeah, but also you, you don't want to do all new material at the comedy store. So it's kind of like knowing, knowing when to put in the new stuff. And mm. Yes, because I do a semi, well, quite a regular in Northampton that I host and one thing that irritates me is that it's a room full of decent people who've come out for a good Friday night and you sometimes get an act going yeah I know that 10 minutes in the middle was a bit flat but I'm kind of running it in for Edinburgh and you think <laughs> yeah, yeah. well that's not they paid 15 quid they don't really care about that yeah. you have an obligation if it's not really working to get on with it and do your you're an entertainer mm. old fashioned mm. as that sound sounds I think that's respect the fee respect the fee and they're, they're not you know it's, it's not really about you it's, you're kind of entertaining them for the evening it's not just about you yeah. leaving there going oh, I've got an idea how I might alter that thing that didn't work and um, do you have to go now or have we got yeah, I've, I've got five if, minutes I think if you've got to go I've got to go you've got to go right, thank, thank, you. thank you very much cheers guys thank you very much thank you see you at 8 o'clock thank you the next thing I, I would love to uh, mention uh, to Dan so Dan you've also like made some books as well and other things it'd be worth just talking about other things that you can do because yeah, we, you know, we I mean, talk a bit about is really the thing, isn't it? You DIY know. comedy. You know, we're kind of a bit more into that than than perhaps we were. I have repented of my previous scepticism. I think um, you have to, don't you? The, yeah. Especially when it comes to like a book, and yeah. you look at the the way of getting a book done properly. Yeah. So, what is your book? And oh, it's just it? absurd crime stories. Um, but I, I'm, and and you also have a go. It's oh, it sounds awful and it's just so low rent, but you have a golden moment if you've had a great 20 minutes or half an hour and people are amenable to something you're selling for 10 minutes yeah you know so if it's just on the internet like everything's on the internet nobody's going to find it and buy it without some kind of recommendation yeah. which is you've done well and you're proud of it so you might as well sell it but I don't yeah. sell it very hard and so do you, do you still do that after gigs do you still sell it's books it's about 300 in a nice spare room so I've got to keep going there. <laughs> <laughs> but is that how, but you do sell them yeah and if it, it feels right sometimes you go in a room and you just go these people don't read and you, okay. make it, you think there's no point getting the bag out of the car. It's just costing okay. a quarter of an hour after the show, isn't it? So that sounds an awful thing to say. But you've Again, you've said an awful thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, yeah. damn. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a way of kind of monetizing what you've done. Well, it's not really even about monetizing. I suppose it's about you kind of go, well, that's a, that's a lovely idea for a short story. Mm. No one else is going to write it. I can't make it into a joke or a sketch. I'd better write it as a short story. Right. And the money isn't really... Obviously, it'd be lovely if it's picked up and all that, but it isn't mm. going to be, and that's not my ambition. You know. Right. That's you hilarious, it, though. Is it about being something less ephemeral than stand up? Stand up is, yeah. is gone in the but moment. Again, you, yes, that's but fantastic. The book <laughs> might be on a shelf in 20 years. No, but yeah. there is that thing because it's, it's almost it's, it's tragic to think that you can have a wonderful gig and then it doesn't really, there's no kudos attached to it. You have a, a bad one mm. and suddenly you're, oh, yeah, he's all right, so mm. he's rubbish. There's no kind of. It's the worst that mo a lot of people, flawed people, are drawn into it, and it's almost the worst career they could do, isn't it? Of just sort of this ridiculous up and downs. What do you, what do you think? I mean, I, I, I so mood stabilizing yeah. drugs you recommend? Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's good. How? I mean, I'm just interested because my 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 decline <laughs> was uh, ha happened 
coincidentally with uh, Eddie Izzard's rise, and I did about sort of 30 gigs with Eddie Izzard over a sort of six-month period, and just saw him go from being a good jobbing stand-up comedian to, 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 the, to the formed character that pretty soon was doing West End shows after that. Mm. And I'm just, you know, curious to know what you think when you see people, you know, you've probably seen people... Like the thing I was saying, who they sort of come up and they come through. I've been leapfrogged so many times, it's just what they're thinking about, yeah. And what, what do you think that these people have got that has got them to go that kind of extra through that? I, I don't even think it's that. Am, I think some of it isn't even that amazing. So I will, if somebody pays me to write, I will do a really good day. I'll do sort of nine hours you know, really focused in a quiet library and I'll really put the work in. Whereas if I go, oh, I could spend the tail end of next week writing my own stuff, it's all displacement activity and hoovering the car and all this sort of stuff. And then you go, oh, I've only got half an hour left. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> so I think it's somebody like Lee Mack, who's one of my favourite actors, he's fantastic. I, you know, I think he just applies himself and writes. And yeah. whenever I put effort into it, I write good stuff. But it's just, he's, I think he just really work. people, they just work at it. And that's not all of it, but it's they have a, an urge to work at it. And people like him or Harry Hill, you think what he's put his output over the last 15 years or so. And do you think, think so. go on, yeah. sorry, I was going to say that's the thing. Everybody's saying you need to be writing every day and see it as a job or a profession, yeah. whether you're writing for somebody else or writing your own stuff. But at the risk of ploughing a similar furrow, if you're hungover, you sit there pretending to write. You don't yeah. write, do you? So you no. think, oh, I'm going to write tomorrow, so I'll get an early night and I'll. I'll not try and do all these phone calls during the day. I'll write and I'll put my phone... The other bit of advice is I put, put your phone out of sight and turn it off because yeah. it's continually just going, over here. And it's like... It's just yeah, relaxing, I, I try it. and do a... Like I was saying about the alpha state. It sounds like I'm always asleep. <laughs> yeah. But I've got uh, meditation apps just to quiet my mind. So I like to do a bit of a meditation in the morning because... You know, if I drop the kids off at school and then you're just going, oh, I've got to go and do this or I've got to go and do that, and your brain's going, oh, look at that. I go, right, I just need to shut that off and then this is what I'm going to do today. But saying that, I am the same, the biggest procrastinator. Yeah, I go, yeah. look at that, that door needs painting today. Let's do, do that. You, d- also, I mean, the thing, one of the things I remember uh, from that from my time as well was the, the amount of time you had to spend trying to generate work, get gigs and be on the phone. Isn't oh, there that is. sort of balance? It's a bit different now, I think. Yeah. It's now all... You don't have to speak to anybody. It was wonderful. Mm. Just you get on yeah. some email list and you tick a load of boxes saying what ones you can do. If they don't rate you, they never get back to you. And if they do, they sometimes get back to you. And you can end up going, oh, "I've spent 15 minutes today filling in all these, and it's all done." And you don't have to make all. And, you, and people who book you book you. And people who don't don't. And there's, that's kind of. So you can't be proactive in your own way, then. I suppose you'd be proactive in making yourself known more by being all over social media with clips or. Yeah. But yeah, you don't. I think just. Going, I'm filming yourself all the time, but just you don't have to be on the phone to people continually pushing your yeah. case, which is great because that was always the worst side of it, wasn't it? Really, yeah. I guess there's always that thing. I've been listening recently to a lot of podcasts about YouTubers and um, and people saying, Oh, my channel's not doing very well, or I'm not getting many hits or likes or views or whatever. And this, you know, a considerable expert is saying, You know, 99 times out of 100, the content isn't good enough. And so people think that the system is against them, or they're not they they're not doing something right with you know the algorithms aren't right. We're not. I'm not doing SEO. I'm not doing all these sorts of things. It's like do better videos. Yeah. And so I wonder also if there's people are thinking my career isn't going so well because of this or that. If only I was doing this or that. It's like be funnier. Yeah, yeah. You and don't, don't put junk up either because yeah. it's there forever and yeah. it, it just you know people find it and go. Oh, this guy's not very good. Yeah. It's not. I'm going to have to go, James. Yeah, Sorry. please do. Um, thanks very no, much. Thank, thank you, Dan. Thank you. Take my security with me. Yes, indeed. <laughs> this, this is turning into, and then there were none. Yes, so I know. Yes. Yes. Other than the Osera, yes. the clip up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, we could slightly move around. Do you want to try yeah. to move around yeah. slightly? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, so that if you're not. listening in Serbia, you'll get the full effect of this. This is an, absolutely. Yeah. Suddenly we're all on different mics. See, One of the things. Thank goodness that guy's gone. Dan Evans. He's got off to score some class A drugs. Exactly. Leicester High Street. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. One of the things that um, uh, I didn't quite get time to talk about, but I can talk with you, Sarah, about the um, moving from doing stand-up to kind of doing the, the, the sort of the larger shows. Yep. And 
Uh, have you, uh, have you, you've been to Edinburgh, haven't you? Yes, um, um, last yeah. year. Yeah, and uh, how did your bank manager take that? Fine. Oh, you're OK. Because <laughs> yeah, no. most people go to Edinburgh and they lose. take a show to Edinburgh and they just lose thousands and thousands of pounds, even if they do well. In fact, I remember one, a fringe, I remember a, a fringe first, the, the Perrier Award winner many years ago who I was speaking to and briefly after he'd won the award he happened to be with a certain agent and he said oh, I lost £20,000 this was about yes. 20 years he'd ago. sold almost every single ticket available for the yeah. entire run and he'd, he'd lost money um, <laughs> but I think it's, it is a bit different now but anyway Sarah's looking yeah. sceptical uh, yeah I well um, my I, I do actually have a job as well I have, I've been freelance organising events for 20 years as well right. so yeah. I am the spreadsheet queen Right. Budget. Right. Is that an Abba song? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in a way, it's, it's worth saying then. So, in terms of the question is about doing bigger gigs and that kind of thing, and we can talk about the step up as performance or whatever. But also, is that the aim? I was interested in what Dan was saying. Is that it's very easy to despise um, the small gig when it's just like, no, you did some jokes and people laughed, yeah. and that is, is, isn't those. that enough. Um, and for some people, it is enough. Yeah. And, and you know, now that he's gone, I can say how <laughs> ferociously talented Dan Evans is. He is one of the funniest human beings in Britain today. Um, I worked with him on the Milton Jones show, and he just writes kick-in-the-guts funny jokes that are just astonishing. Um, but also, he's content with you know a certain uh, performance, and he just has real delight in the craft itself. And he's not actually that ambitious in the mm. same way. And that's okay too. Yeah. Um, what, what, are you, what are you? What are you trying to do? What am I trying Sarah? to do? <laughs> Who are you trying to impress? Who am I trying Let's to talk impress? about your mum. <laughs> 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 what, what's, so in a way, you know, you're doing Edinburgh. Why? What's the next step? Do you even want there to be a next step? What, what is it for you? Yeah, I, I think it was. I really enjoy writing the full hours show. Um, I come from a performing arts background. So I I'm think. Sorry to hear that. Sorry, sorry. yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so again, it was being able to take control of that show and develop it. Um, and I, as I say, I'm big on my sort of marketing and social media. So it was getting the audience, but actually thinking of it as a product in a business mm. as as well as obviously being funny and writing the jokes and stuff. And it's the buzz of the audience. But I still think you do need the little, I say the little, the open mics and and doing all of that to trial your material, but also to pay through the paid gigs to be able to pay to go to Edinburgh. So you've got to sort of look at it and go, do I go there? It's going to cost me that much to get there and I'm only being paid that. Mm. So I, I've got to work it out. You know, it's it's money. it costs a lot of money yeah. to travel around petrol and this, that and the other. So yeah, yeah. doing the spreadsheets for, that when they, people say they've lost 20 grand, it's just like, yeah, I mean, that's money spent, spent on their behalf, which is being yeah. held, held yeah. against their account. Uh, yeah, it? I mean, I organised my own and sort of yeah. Yeah. my flyers and stuff like that. But I did a lot of sort of, with the show, it was Mum's Going to Ibiza. Um, I did a lot of sort of Big Brother type thing on social media, like Facebook. So I did some little videos leading up to it. I really thought about the marketing before I went. Mm. So I got mm. started to get a following before I went. Did some videos while I was there, got a bit of following while I was there. And getting yeah. people to retweet and do that in the show as well. Yeah. That's you know, going, if you've enjoyed it, then retweet, retweet and share. Yeah. That's yeah. something we've talked about a lot over the last uh, year or so about, you know, if you want to do anything writing in comedy or performing or any of that, uh, you, have, you have to get a bit sort of um, marketing savvy, really, don't mm. you now? And that's definitely something that, that's, that's changed. But um, do you... Do, 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 you have that, that that's your primary mm. that, that's yeah I think it's all from. part and parcel because yeah. I think like we say you can have some absolutely amazing comedians out there but they don't know how to market themselves because yeah. they're just looking at sort of oh. doing the gigs and you're just going you're great why don't you go and do this and they're going well I don't know where to start you know it's I'm not really on social media or I'm not I don't know how to sort of collect databases or whatever and yeah. sort of market themselves. It's a, it's it's a lot of competition. Is there always enough gigs to match the number of comedians out there? Or is there, there seems are, to be loads are, are now compared to... Comedians <laughs> or gigs? Yeah, both. Okay. Right. Well, both, well, but, yeah, both would be good. The, but are, are there comedians oh. looking for gigs or are there gigs empty looking for comedians? 
I was very lucky when I was started out. There were lots of gigs and not enough comedians. I yeah. think so, uh, you, you, you could be crap. Well, Sarah's uh, between. Yeah. Think about it. I don't really do say this. I'm, I'm just watching like you this. thinking. I was. I think it, it must have I filled up pretty much exactly at 1987. I think I yeah. came in. Yeah. Yeah. But we've got yeah. enough yes, now. That's right. Yes, we've got enough right. now. Stop now. Yeah. I think there's a lot of comedians. Yeah. yeah. A lot of comedians. But then, yeah, God, that's hard because I think there's a lot of gigs. I mean, I, I don't, I've never really gigged in London. Right. I think purely because I look and go, well, if the cost... Yeah, of me yeah. getting down to London if, I, if my husband's away I've got to get a babysitter and by the time I get back and then I've still got to get up to do the school run you know I have to weigh everything yeah. up and stay up all night watching and TV stay up with that adrenaline night watching rush TV. Yeah. Yeah. And, can, I, can I just do a little survey for our, our audience here and find out as, um, are any of you uh, stand up comics right. do any of you <laughs> want to be stand up comics Right, oh, no. That's okay. that's that's sitcom geeks groupies. I, 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 have, have, have we put yeah. you off? Did I you want where, to? I wonder where they think they are. What did yeah. you come here expecting? We're parents of a. Oh, all oh, oh, right. So, yeah. So, the intervention was successful then, I'm very pleased yes. to hear. You wanted to talk about her mother? Yes, exactly. Yes. Well, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, because I do get the sense that lots of comedians, you know, the scene is very different and people always just say how much better it was in the past. But actually, there was a lot of... I get the idea that there was probably too many gigs. It was a bit too easy to make a living. But having said that, they gave a lot mm. of creative freedom to people. And mm. really, back in the 1980s, I mean, I'm sure you can... It, it seems like there was more variety mm. within the stand-up... Co- so not everyone was trying to be Ben Elton. There, there was a, a lot, because yeah. comedy was part of cabaret. It was mm. as, as much as... you know People talk about alternative comedy, but it was part of alternative cabaret... And you'd get all sorts of weird acts, people doing sort of strange um, <laughs> sort of uh, theatre stuff and, and odd ventriloquists and, and people singing and, and, and all sorts of, of very strange stuff. Yeah. And they, these things were usually built, TikTok Club and Comedy was built as a cabaret rather than a comedy club per mm. se. There's, like, there's yeah. still alternative comedy out there because we've yeah. got um, the Weirdos Weekend coming up at the end right. of the month. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which, which is alternative stuff. So there's Paul Curry, uh, I mean, Hot Donkey, you've got to go see that. If you like weird mm. stuff, you'll be just like, oh. um, But yeah, I think, well, but like you're saying, back in the 80s, I mean, it was, it was called a triple threat, wasn't it? You know, if you're going, the comedian can sing, mm-hmm. and they can dance, and they can tap dance as well. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I don't think, well, it's, a, it's, a, can a, any comedians do that now? A typical bill when I was, <laughs> say, uh, <laughs> Doing jonglers in the uh, in sort of 1980s, mid 1980s, you would have um, theatre de complicité, well, uh, mm. headline at jonglers, and they, you know, they're this sort of very, very kind of big fringe uh, theatre. Well, they're not fringe now, are they? They're no, no, really mainstream, mainstream. Yeah. But they, they, so, and they were doing, you know, so they were doing like sort of 15 minute mime theatre. <laughs> there you had you had a cappella groups. Um, you had, or you had people like Morris Minor and the Majors mm. as well, so you had bands and uh, Ra Ra Zoo. You had this oh the circus act with the trapeze. And this is at Jongles, and this was, you know with and Jeremy Hardy and Mark mm. Thomas and all the stand-ups as well. And it was uh, yeah, it was a, it was much more variety. You, you, you did not you? know what you were going to get, and, and mm-hmm. also there was there was no real way of telling what you're going. You'd see a bunch of names on a list. And you might recognise some of them because you'd heard them on the radio, or you might, a lot of the time you'd go, well, I recognise that name because it's always in the end credits of Week Ending or the news headlines. Mm-hmm. But you, there was no way, whereas mm-hmm. now you could go, well, I'll just uh, I'll go on Google, I'll see what there, mm-hmm. see if watching clips on YouTube. There was no way to tell beforehand what somebody was going to offer, even what they were going to be doing. It would just be, you know, Fred Smith, and you know, oh, I'll go and see what Fred Smith is like. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to discover mm-hmm. um, new things. And some of them were terrible. And some of them were amazing, but that's the joy of discovery. Yeah, yeah. I actually used to work in Jongulers. When I was doing my degree in Leicester, um, I actually did front of house at Jongulers. And so it was great seeing all the sort of acts coming up then. And I don't know, there was a guy that put elastic bands all around his head. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what his name was, but then uh, there was a guy... Steve that, Rawlings. I yes, think. that was it. Yeah. And there was a guy that actually put a coat hanger through his earring. <laughs> Can you remember? And he used to get undressed, took all his clothes, took all his clothes off and hung his clothes <laughs> To this music, and he just used to get undressed and he'd be like that, completely <laughs> naked, but his clothes were hung on a coat hanger hanging from his ear. He did Very get. Bizarre. Wow, <laughs> I'm just imagining. I wonder that. where he is. Yeah. Can you remember his name, oh. this lady in the front no. row? 
but it, you won't forget him ever. No. no. And again, it'd be interesting to know. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if he's still doing it. I, I already know. can't get that image out of my head. <laughs> you do get acts now, yeah. though, don't you? You get the, 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 I haven't seen it, the, the boy with the tape. tape. Yeah, he was on America's Got Talent, wasn't he? Yeah. But do you think, I mean, so it feels like that there was this variety and then it sort of got rather commoditized, and, you know, everyone was sort of trying to be, well, when comedy was the new rock and roll, as it were, a, 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 a phrase coined by Dave Cohen, actually. Um, and um, uh, he's, he's modestly Corey, trying Corey to play not it down. being the operative word. <laughs> <laughs> so never made a penny out of it. Uh, yes. Public domain, certainly. <laughs> yes. um, but the, uh, it feels like everything became slightly commoditized, mm. and it was an awful lot of men talking. Mm. Um, and then, um, but it feels like now things are rather opening out again. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if people are listening um, to this, they're thinking, well, I don't particularly want to stand up on stage and, and tell jokes or to talk about my trip to Nepal and how badly it went wrong mm. or all that kind of stuff. It feels like there is kind of much more, there's, there's like nerdy, geeky comedy, there is experimental comedy. Yeah, definitely. Is that your experience that there's a lot more variety? Yeah, I think there is a, a lot more variety. But I think as a stand-up as well, one of the things you kind of go through when you first start out is going, oh, what's my style? What's my sort mm. of, you know, do I have to have a character? How do I dress? And it's just like, no, well, what, you know, what style comedy do you want to do? And I think sometimes, I mean, because I do character stuff with the waitresses, stuff, I was quite happy to just go, you know, crazy. And I do straight stand-up as well. But I think sometimes some comedians might go, well, it doesn't sit comfortably with them doing weird stuff. And then mm. you go, just try it, you know? Yeah. I think you've got to try all sort of angles. Because it might be that they're absolutely fantastic at that, yeah. of doing weird stuff. But I think people sometimes a bit... Is the, 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 the hard thing, back. though, I'd imagine with that, is the fact that a comedy club lends itself to a particular form of yeah. comedy. Yeah. Mm. But it does seem to me that, again, from the outside, I'm, I'm old now. But... Um, <laughs> uh, but it seems like people are sort of making their own gigs a lot more and creating their own, you know, sort of going going from a standing start to a to a one man one woman mm. show, because they just want to own the world and create it. That's, that that does seem to be a, a big difference now. In in the back in the old days, you know, there was a bill, mm. and and really the only time you get somebody doing a, a, a one a one person show would be Edinburgh, or if they were absolutely mm. massive Ben Elton scale yeah. touring. But now, you know, you, you, know, you look at the, the brochure for the comedy festival here and, and almost everything seems to be an individual person doing an hour of, of a yeah. show with a title and a theme. Yeah. And, it, and, um, and, you know, you see both, and, and people are doing tours um, and have been for some time and mm. which are, who are not massive, massive stars, but they've become established. Yeah. That seems to be much more... Yeah. Uh, something that, that wasn't there in the old days. Which requires yeah, a bit of social media to get it going or something. I can, yeah. Sarah, I can, I can I know, literally, honestly, my I can see you this. literally thinking. <laughs> it's brilliant. I know, it's like that yeah. one. Yeah, I think, I think it, like I say, it depends what the comedian wants to do. Because some people go, oh, I'd hate to do Edinburgh, I haven't got enough material. And then you're going, well, you know, you need to be writing stuff. Yeah. But some people Try just go... writing Try material. writing material. Yeah. Um, but some people go, no, I'm not interested. It's, you know, that's absolutely fine. And then some people might go, yeah, I definitely want to go to Edinburgh. And they'll take a show up there. But again, they might not be able to know how to market it. And, and it is absolutely... I mean, it, the brochure's mm. full. So mm. people are flying to yeah. get people through the door. In 1997, people were saying, this festival is too big. <laughs> you know, there are oh, 600 shows. This is ridiculous. Crazy. There are now First crazy. time that I did uh, Edinburgh Fringe in 1984 as a professional, the big story was... The the fringe has got too commercial. That was in 1984. <laughs> yeah, but uh, wow. Well, if you go back to the 60s, the whole point of Beyond the Fringe, which was not a fringe show, it was exactly, a, it was a yeah. professional because the festival was worried back in what 68 or whenever it was that the fringe was getting too big, and so they got these four guys from Oxbridge to do a but comedy show that would be filmed back in from the fringe, and that was yeah. in the 60s. Yeah. yeah. So put us on. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I just, I, I just enjoy doing a, the hours show. I think because. Like I say, it's just the yeah. process of it, and you can yeah. sort of write more. Yeah, I was going to say, we talked to um, H Hannah George, who's a, a great comic, uh, just before Christmas. She was saying she thinks it's become a little bit easier for women in comedy generally. Had you, had you, have you noticed, would you say it's be that there are more women, or that it's more... <laughs> 
that there are, yeah. having done this... Hans uh, went... Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it sounds like you got, into, you got into writing comedy, doing comedy through doing this uh, Comedy degree. Wages in yeah. as well. Uh, and so, I mean, have you noticed a change at all in the last couple of years, maybe? Well, can I say this? When I, the comedy waitressing thing that I've done for 20-odd years, I've actually been... Can I call it attacked twi uh, twice in 20 years? Wow. Mm -hmm. um, I was th thrown through a set of double doors and a couple of months back threatened to being glassed. Right. So that's that's the scary was thing. That for, for being funny? Was yeah. That, yeah. Mm. Yeah. But that was sort of in a mm. corporate right. environment. Oh, corporate is, environment? Yeah. Oh, wow. Did they not realise that you were a comedy waitress and not yeah, the they being, being yeah, there? They yeah, they, they know. They so know. they took exception to your jokes, was it? Yes. Sorry, it's the, the, no, it's not. No, the second one, um, I was basically just stood eating a banana next to the table and just going... That's absolutely disgusting, and um, there was a bit of discussion. Normally, you can suss it and then just go, Oh, this is a bit dangerous, I'm gonna get out of here. But, um, I just something made me just go, oh, He started threatening me and saying, oh, I'm gonna knock you out, and all this. And I just kind of went, <clears throat> and I just went, Are you threatening me? And he just stood up with a glass and went to glass me, and I was just like, Oh my god, and I was the one that had to leave. Wow. I had to leave wow. the event, yeah. And I found out later that he was actually not long out of prison for GBH. So, right. stand up for me. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from that, easy. Wow. <laughs> it's just like after that, it just kind of. Well, well, on the, on of that, sorry, sorry, on I didn't mean to bring it down. No, no, but it was. A, <laughs> but it, yeah, it was, in terms it was a of getting gigs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's. No, I don't want to say. Can I say it? When sometimes the messages come out, which I hate this, when they say we're looking for a female comedian because it's too cock heavy. Right. Mm. I do hate that. Yeah. Great, I was about to throw it to I was about to throw it out to questions, but we've, we've got <laughs> one straight in. That's a good plant you've got in the audience. Yeah. 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 It came to the show. Thank yeah. you. I have no idea how we're going to translate that no, into the tape, but um, why don't you say a bit about building that following then, uh, locally? Yeah, I, again, I think it's down to the social media, but also knowing what sort of what, what style of stand-up that I do, uh, who my target audience are, mm. and then just sort of knowing where to, to find that audience as well and target, target marketing there. Yeah. Mm. Um, are you getting a repeat audience, people coming back to see you doing the same material? Yes. Is, that a, is that a gig that you sort of created out of nothing, as in you started the gig as well as a vehicle for yourself, or, or was no, it...? No, that, that's just the Mum's Going to Ibiza thing. It, it's, it's kind of that particular show has sort of grown. I, I sort of did the work in progress last... Uh, comedy Leicester Comedy Festival mm. and then went, took it to Edinburgh and then I've done it again and people have gone oh well come see it so it's kind of I'm, I do like the networking thing mm. as well yeah. with lots of people but yeah I think it's become a product almost because I get people messaging me when I'm doing bits of gigs everywhere yeah. I think I'm becoming a travel agent as well <laughs> right. because okay. people because it's <laughs> mom, I went on a 50th birthday party to Ibiza so tell stories about that um, people are going oh I'm going on a 50th birthday to Ibiza can you tell me what clubs to go to it's just like what <laughs> so and how can you turn that into money as well well <laughs> the thing was I had an idea in Edinburgh for writing a mum's going to Ibiza travel guide because right. I, I am actually going back in June on another 50th but on the quiet side so this one was on the rowdy side this is on the quiet side so I was thinking mm. I could do a travel guide so that that's the rowdy side and then you turn it round it's the quiet side do it mm -hmm. so sounds good yeah would, I'm just curious to know, Mike, would you be, uh, does, does, does the idea of doing stand-up appeal to you again? You know, I, I miss it. And, and oh. I can hear something. Um, I, I, for, for years I've been thinking, you know, maybe I should get back into it. But um, I'm, I'm completely out of the loop. I, have, I, I don't go to comedy, I don't listen to comedy, I don't know who people are. I don't know where things are, despite living in a town with, you know, one of the best comedy festivals in the world, been going on for twenty odd years. 
this is the first time I think I've ever actually been to a Leicester Comedy Festival event. But it doesn't take long to pick that back up because back mm. when I originally wanted to do it when I was working in, in Jonglers and then sort of had the break, I knew every sort of who was on the circuit mm. and you kind mm. of in that circle you know sort of people but then kind of came out of it and then you just go well I don't know who is up and coming yeah. so I mean, you've got to watch it and just I could be the oldest up and coming no, you're never too, I don't uh, think you're ever I've, too you know, I, I have you know, an entire a whole load of material that I've sort of developed in recent years and I just I just stand in my bedroom doing it to the mirror um, that <laughs> that's the way not, to start isn't yes, it really yes, do not take that sound bite out of context yeah. um, <laughs> and um, I mean I'm I, we have a thing here at, at uh, Leicester, the silver stand-up competition, but you have to be 55 for that. Well, I'll, I'll be 51 by the time this is, this is online. I'm 50 mm. now. Um, so I've got another four or five years to wait till I'm old enough for that. So I'm, I don't, I'm an in-betweeny, really. I'm too old <laughs> to do regular stuff. I'm not old enough to do the silver stand-up. No, I don't think you're too old. You I need to get, you need to where, get where would I go? What, what? Do the open mics. Where? I don't know where anywhere I is. I can give you some numbers. There we go. We should. We should. We'll wrap this up in a moment. But let's uh, let's see if the if yeah. the stunned several have any questions uh, for for us. Just one quick question. You've talked about sort of being paid for these gigs. Is there a set fee, or does that vary according to how? Do you have agents that get you the work, or do you have to do it all yourself? It used to be fairly straightforward. I think when I was doing it, you do. Uh, we could sit in a room and you say, all right, there are X number of people here. I know how much that they, they've been charged at the door. Yeah. There are four acts. I can do the maths and I've got a pretty good idea what I'll get. I think, I think generally... What's the case now, Sarah? So you were paid pro rata, were you? But pretty well, I would say, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's pretty much the same kind of... Because we've got all forums now for the gigs, so they'll put, tend to put the price on the forum and say I need an opener for this amount, a middle for this, mm. an open spot, which so they don't get paid to yep, come in when they're trying the new material, and then a headline spot for this much. Um, yeah. So the fee's sort of there, so you kind of go, oh, okay, it's it's in Devon, am I gonna drive to Devon for 20 pounds? Yeah. yeah, and that, that's what the fees are. I mean, what are the range of the fees then for, for a, for well, a I'm, I'm middle a, and a closer? I, for some reason, I don't know why, but I'm on, I'm on some sort of Facebook group where all the promoters and all the comedians are on, and somebody says, uh, "I need a headline act. They must have been on, on must have been on TV. Mm. Uh, I'm in yeah in, in uh, Devon. You'll get two two hundred and fifty pounds. Uh, you know, or you know, <laughs> uh, I need a middle act. Somebody who's everybody knows, very experienced. They'll get a hundred pounds. Right. Do fifteen mm. minutes, and like you say, that's. Well, am I going to go... You'd have to do, do a, a lot of those to make the minimum wage, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah. 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 Am I going to do a 250-mile brown trip? And at that sort of level, and as Dan was saying earlier, that's the sort of price that hasn't really gone up much since since the 90s, mm. really. I once had to pay to get into a gig where I was actually on, <laughs> on the bill. university, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. I could not persuade them that I was the person on there, and I had to pay to get into my own gig, and that, yeah. that's kind of what killed it for me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah don't get me wrong, because yeah. some, some, I think they're mostly London, but some of them are bringer gigs. Right. Well. Go if you, what? If bringers, oh. they're called bringers, so if you, you can have a, a spot on the, on the gig as long as you bring an audience member. Right. So and you're that, bringing that, your own yeah, audience. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, you do get so that a, open a, spot. And that, that amongst comedians is heavily frowned upon, and we wish well, people would stop doing it. I can't speak for everybody, yeah. but yeah, it's difficult to say. Yeah. You know, can you? I mean. Well, if you knew yeah. somebody who lived near yeah, there, you'd say, I was do, I'm doing the gig, yeah. come along. Come yeah. along, but... Yeah, no, it's awkward, it, isn't it? It's awkward, and it's not. Yeah, yeah. Are there any other questions? Is that helpful? Is that the kind of... Yes, it's just obviously, for that kind of money, you think, well... You've got to be wanting to do it more than just for the money. Yes, yeah, exactly. I think it can range from about £20 up to thousands if you're doing a corporate, I guess. Yeah. It depends mm -hmm. on... So corporate gigs is another thing, again, whereby you would do... You would be booked by a conference... And you'd have an and agent. Yeah. IBM are suddenly having a conference and they want a... And the gig may, might well be horrendous. Um, and they've all just had dinner... Um, and blah blah blah, and but they leave you, the bar open. Uh, yeah, and they might Smack. not even pay you attention or even give you a microphone, but you might actually make three grand. Um, but then a part of your life, your part of your soul has died. Soul. <laughs> because yeah. um, um, famous comedians, they won't do corporate. They say I've organised events for a living and mm. I've had to book 
eight famous comedians for yeah. corporate events. And, and they you, expect to get them, and but they, they go, can't. we want such and such. Michael McIntyre, please. Mm. Well, you yeah. get, so I you, him and he was You can get in, but you've got to pay. You know, you pay yeah. what, what, what's required. Yeah. Right? A lot of people do um, award ceremonies. You know, where yes. every industry has its award ceremonies, and there's always somebody there off the telly or off the radio. But, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and they get the money. But certain mm. um, acts just won't do it. They won't do corporate. Right. So they're going, oh, the clients going, we want such and such, and they just go, no, they won't do it. They don't do right. corporate. So, uh, we've got time for one more question. Has anyone got? Uh, one more thing that's... I'm, I'm seeing shaking of heads. Please let us go, they're saying. Yes. Please <laughs> let us go. Great. Well, um, thank you very much uh, for coming. Thank you for being the last two guests thank standing. Yeah. Thank, you. thank you, Mike. Uh, thank you, Sarah. Thank you, thank you to the Leicester Comedy Festival uh, for having us as well. Um, it is a... I have to say... I, I love Leicester. I've never been here before, and I'm not being paid to say this, but I've been wandering around. I, I was here last night as well. I was doing a show in Leicester Cathedral. Hey, did you go and um, see Dickie Three? Uh, did I what? Dickie Three. I saw Dickie Three, yeah. Richard III. Uh, there, there was the... Um, yes, they should do a show around there. Completely different show. Um, I am available to write that show if you would like. Too. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, I'm really loving Leicester. But the festival, the Leicester Comedy Festival, is a, is a, is a big deal, isn't it? In terms yeah, of the yeah. number of stuff, mm. the, the amount of things. You could be seeing so many other things other than being here. <laughs> <laughs> so we're very grateful uh, to the people who've come and for people listening at home and in their cars or when they're jogging or whenever they, they listen to us. Uh, we won't do the Patreon spiel, but we're on Patreon, blah, blah, blah. We should probably just um, say thank you. David, poised to, to, to wrap something up and yeah, say anything. No, I'll just say thank you. Um, I can second everything James says. Thank you all for being here, and um, thanks thank to you. all the guests as well. Thank, thank, thank you. you. And, um, I'll see you in you. another 32 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Thank Good you. night. Now, just before we wrap up, though... Um, I'm going to leave this on running. Or right, sorry, I'll okay. turn it off. No, leave Mike, it running. This could be good, leave it good running. B-roll footage. Yes. 1986, Comedy Store, and I was watching Mike perform mm. and thinking this is the funniest material. Can you remember any of that material? Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, well, I know something I did around that time, and I assume it was... Because um, you I, never wrote stuff down, I, I, I never you? wrote stuff. So I, I still don't. You know, anything I'm doing. I mean, I, my, my father's funeral last last week. So Sarah is twitching next to I didn't write down what I was going to say. I, I, so this, I could do a bit, but this might be like the guy on, on Knowing Me, Knowing You with Cheeky Monkey, the the Ventura yeah. Bigno. Um, but I used to do a thing about how people say English is a very difficult language to learn, but it's not because there's a good index you can use to judge how difficult a language is, which is how many words they have for the, because English only has one. And that's nice and easy. French has three. Love for masculine, laugh for feminine, lay for plural. You can just about manage that. And then German, you have six words for the. <laughs> der, die, den, dem, des, and das. But German also has four cases. The nominative, dative, accusative, and the other one. And so, so what you have to... You have to make a little three-by-four grid, and you put these words in, so I'm going more than once, you have to memorise that just to say the, <laughs> and then you find about Icelandic, which has four genders. Because oh. German has three, France has two genders, German has three genders, masculine, feminine, neuter. Icelandic has a fourth gender, which I think is snow. <laughs> and they have six cases, and again, I don't know the two extra ones, I think it's going into the snow and coming out of the snow. And so, four <laughs> six, so there's 24 possible words for the, in Icelandic, and I don't think there's 24 people live in Iceland. <laughs> so I think you can tell in a place who you're talking to by what word they use for the. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes. Now that should be. You have witnessed the rebirth of MJ Simpson's comedy career. Yes, right. Comedy goals, there. Yeah. Uh, that's a booking on Dictionary Corner in Countdown, uh, surely at the very, very least. Right. Great.